You're listening to a podcast of the Sunday morning message from Grace Christian Church in the city of Cork on the beautiful south coast of Ireland. We hope and pray that it will be a blessing to you. Good morning and welcome to Grace Christian Church. What I would like to talk about today is a message that I've titled Deliverance and Detours. If you're not a native English speaker, the word detour means to take the route that you would not choose or to take a roundabout distance to on a journey or take a long road on a journey. It, doesn't, it means to not go by the most direct route. The story I'm looking at this morning is from the book of Exodus. And the book of Exodus is really important because it records the story of the Exodus, which literally means leaving. If you want to understand what the Exodus meant in a Jewish mindset, you could view it this way. If the death and resurrection of Jesus in the New Testament represents the center point of the story of the good news of the gospel, well then in the Old Testament it is the Exodus that is the center point or the high point of the story of the Jewish nation in the Old Testament. So all other reference points in the Old Testament refer back to the Exodus. It was the highest point of their history, the greatest event to ever happen to them. So as you read through the Psalms or through the prophets, both the major and the minor prophets, you see that the Exodus is the major reference point out of which all other thoughts come. So... Where we are now at this stage in the story, which we're about to read in a few moments from Exodus chapters 12 and 13, we're just going to do a couple of excerpts. Where we're at is that the pressure has been building up. God has told his people that I've heard of your misery, I'm going to come and deliver you, and a long-standing promise is about to be fulfilled. And the pressure has been building in the nation of Egypt. The pressure of God's judgment and the plagues have created a social, political and an economic pressure and of course a spiritual pressure within that nation. And God, as we look at this story, is about to bring the whole thing to its climax. All of the events building up have been building up over the space of weeks and months and perhaps even years. But we're about to come to the final point, the actual point of deliverance for the children of Israel. The plagues that God has sent upon them, the pressure is building, their crops have been affected, their people have been affected, their animals have been affected, their social structure has been affected and we're coming now to this pressure point when we've just come to what's called the Passover which was the judgment of the firstborn, it was the plague of the firstborn. So the firstborn a male of every man and woman of every animal in the nation of Egypt died except the firstborn males of the Jews. And that's so how that story, so story is recorded. We're going to come to the end of that story. We're going to be looking at it in Exodus chapter 12. And I'm going to look this morning at three short excerpts which carry the story through. So I'm going to begin with the first part which is in Exodus chapter 12. And the thing to be bearing in mind is that up to now all they've had is hopes. They've had expectations, they've had dreams, they've had pressure being being built. All of this has been going on in their lives and yet they still have no evidence of a great move of God that's about to deliver them. And then suddenly it says this. Pharaoh sent for Moses and Aaron during the night. Get out! He ordered them. Leave my people and take the rest of the Israelites 
with you. Go and worship the Lord as you have requested. Take your flocks and your herds as you have said and be gone. Go. But bless me before you leave. What? Pharaoh, bless me before you leave. Because Pharaoh was now recognizing that the hand of God was upon him. When he says, bless me before you leave, he says, I don't want to be left here with all this death and all this dying happening in my country. So will you pray a blessing for me before you leave? And then it goes on to say this. It says, all the Egyptians urged the people of Israel to get out of the land as quickly as possible. For they thought, we will all die. And suddenly, overnight, in an instant, what had been 400, and 400 years of slavery is ended. The pressure has built, and then almost unexpectedly, almost in a way that nobody could have imagined, Pharaoh says, go, just get out of here. Get out of my country. Take the stinking Israelites with you. Take your stinking flocks and herds with you. But get out of my country. Up to this point, Pharaoh has said, I will not let Israel go. No, he's literally hunting them out of his country. So had the pressure built. You know, so often when you look in the narratives of deliverance in the Bible, of people being delivered or being set free, you'll notice that there is a pattern. And the pattern is very similar to the pattern of the man who once lost a fortune. There was a very rich man was asked by a journalist one time, how did he lose his fortune? And he said, slowly at first and then all at once. So there was a time when this pressure was building and this deliverance is the same. It is slowly at first, the pressure's building, and then all at once a deliverance comes. And you know, if you're here this morning and you, you, you're in, stuck in a situation, and you're stuck in, maybe it's a, a difficult relationship, maybe it's a, a difficult work situation, I don't know, maybe it's a difficult health situation, your deliverance will come slowly at first, and I guarantee you, then all of a sudden. And if you look at the stories right through the Old Testament and into the New Testament, it seems to be the same pattern happens. Unexpected deliverances. Now before I go on to the next small bit, it's a very important point to be made. We have all experienced, if we know Jesus Christ, the greatest deliverance of all. We have all experienced the greatest delivery of all. The greatest deliverance of all. No matter who you have married, no matter how many children you've had, no matter what beautiful places you will have been to, there will be no experience in your life quite like being delivered by Jesus Christ. And I'm talking about getting what we used to call in the old days, getting saved. Nothing quite like it. I look back to January the 10th, 1986, when I sat in a prayer meeting and I prayed what became known as the sinner's prayer, what I would come to know was the sinner's prayer. And it was the start of my deliverance. I was set free from my sins. Jesus made me a new person. I was born again by the Spirit of God. No other event in my life will ever overshadow that event. No matter what happens, it's the biggest thing to happen. And for the Israelites, this was the biggest thing to ever happen to them. When God brings deliverance, brothers and sisters, it refreshes the soul. It changes your life. And I love that it goes on to say this. It says, the people of Israel had lived in Egypt for 430 years. Look at the next line. In fact, it was on the last day of the 430th year that all the Lord's forces left the land. On this night... The Lord kept his promise to bring his people out 
of the land of Egypt. And so this night belongs to him. That night belongs to him. 430 years. I love it. It says, and on the very last night, on the last night of the 430th year, Bang, the deliverance comes. The promise that was made to Abraham. And the Lord said to him, your, your, your children and your descendants will go down to a land that isn't their own. And they'll be slaves there. And they're going to be slaves there for 400 years. But I'm going to move against that land. And they will be delivered. And Abraham promised that, uh, passed that promise on to his son Isaac. And Isaac promised, passed the promise on to Jacob. And Jacob passed the promise on to his son Joseph. And so it went on and on and on. And eventually God delivers his people. Sometimes when we need deliverance, and there's people here this morning, you need deliverance. What do you need deliverance from? Well, Jesus said in the prayer, he taught us the prayer, deliver us from evil. Evil. Deliver us from evil. Deliver us from the evil one. Deliver us from all evil. Whatever way you want to translate it, deliver us. There's people here this morning need to be delivered. And I want to pray for you in a few minutes for that. Let's move on. What about the perfect timing of this event? I love it. You know, God's timing is always the best timing. I said it before, and I don't care if you feel, oh, you said that before. It's okay. I'll say it again, and I'll keep on saying it. God's timing is the best timing. You see, the children of Israel were crying out to God, but the time hadn't come. The time hadn't come. The moment of their deliverance hadn't come. God has a plan and he works to plans. God is not making it up on the fly. Not in my life and not in your life. Would anyone say amen? He's not just making it up. He's not being spontaneous. Oh, what will I spontaneously do? God isn't being spontaneous in that way. He's working to a plan. There's a plan. And sometimes we have to say, Lord... I don't see your plan. And he says, I know that's my plan, that you don't see my plan. And I say, but I'd love to see your plan. He says, you're not going to see the plan. The plan is that you don't see the plan until after the plan is carried out. And you go, okay, Lord. Isn't that how we pray? No, it's only how I pray. (laughs) His timing was perfect because he was working to a plan. Had he delivered them a moment too soon or a moment too late, the same glory would not have been given to God. Imagine if... Pharaoh had said, okay, let the Israelites go after the first plague. This story would be a byline in some rotting history somewhere and probably forgotten. But it took God's purpose and plans to be rolled out. It's the same in your life. God is working to a plan. You know, we, we often quote it from Jeremiah. I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. He's talking to his to Israel people and he's telling them 70 years in advance. That 70 years time, I'm going to bring you back. And a lot of them said, yeah, thanks very much. What am I going to do for the next 70 years? But God was working to a plan. He's working to his time. But the next part is the, is, is the difficult part. Because I think we can all experience and understand deliverance. We can even understand God's timing. But I think this is the part that I personally would struggle with. And that is this. When Pharaoh finally let the people go, God did not lead them along the main road that runs through Philistine territory. Even though that was the shortest route to the promised land. It was the shortest way. They brought them out. He said he didn't leave them that way, even though it was the shortest way. It goes on to say this. For God said, if these people are faced with battle, they might change their minds and return to Egypt. And so God led them in a roundabout way through the wilderness and towards the Red Sea. You see, I don't know about you, but I can be impatient and I like the shortest route. 
Does anybody here like the shortest route between two points? Tom Burke's hand was the first hand up in the room. And you know, sometimes I try and, you know, I get caught in traffic and I say, okay, I'm going to get caught in traffic. If I take a little turn here and and go left and right and I go up through the traffic, I'll get there quicker. And you know what invariably happens? It invariably takes me longer to get there because I go for my shortcut. I like my shortcuts. But God does not take shortcuts, not in your life and not in my life and not in anyone's life. He doesn't take shortcuts. But you see, we're not like that. We, We like things to be simpler. We like things to be more understandable. You see, if Google Maps was guiding the children of Israel, they would have been there in no time at all. Excuse me, Moses, I'm just going to whip out my smartphone and open up my Google Maps. And so I thought, Michael, what about this for an idea? Why don't you look up your Google Maps, this is Thursday morning, and see how long it takes to walk from Cairo to Jerusalem. And so I did, because I'm a very sad person. And I took out my Google Maps, and I looked at Cairo to Jerusalem. Now I'm a bit south and a bit north, and it all makes up. And don't come up to me after saying chapter and verse, brother, Cairo to Jerusalem. No, don't bother. You get the point. So I I checked it out. How long does it take to walk there? Six days. days And how many? Five. Five hours. Six days and five hours. I mean, Lord, look, it says in Google, six days, five hours. I'm there. Hallelujah. That's what I want. I want to go to Google Maps route. Lord, what's the matter with me? But no, 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 no. That's not how it all works out. God has a different plan, doesn't he? What's his route? It's this route. It's up and down and in and out and around and up and down. And it just goes around and around the mountain. And they go down and they go across the sea and down into the desert. And they stay in the desert because the story of the Exodus is a, is a total... I'm off the camera. Sorry about that. Uh, it, it, the story of the Exodus is a total story. It's not just the story of getting out of Egypt. It's the story of the giving of the law and the changing of the people and so on and so forth. And so God, instead of taking them what would be for all of us the simplest, easiest route, imagine I want to go from this end of the stage to that end of the stage. It's a really simple, straightforward journey. We can all understand that, can't we? I want to go this way and I'm going to get to here. And so the Lord says, okay, I'm going to lead you to the other end of the stage. Hallelujah. And off I go. And he leads me down to the other end of the stage. And I go wandering down. I get, get to see the beautiful views and the beautiful people, all the beautiful people down here in this part. Of the and, as you're, and we think, Lord, what are you doing in my life? And all the meantime, we're not getting to the point that we thought we were getting to because the point that we were getting to was actually a lot simpler to get there. And we're saying, Lord, I know the best way to get to this place. But if you could just leave it in my hands, I'll call up the man in Google. I'll call up whoever owns Google. Can't think of his name right now. Or I might even call Mark Zuckerberg because Facebook can tell me how to get there faster, Lord. Why don't I go that route? Instead, the Lord says, no, I'm going to lead you by the longer route because I have something that I want to do in your life. That's why I'm going to take you this way and see all the beautiful people, beautiful people, beautiful, beautiful people, beautiful, beautiful people. Really beautiful. Ha, nice, nice walk there for the morning. And so we get to take. God sometimes takes the scenic route in our lives. Do you know why? Because he wants to deal with us. Because he wants to deal with us. And he took them out of Egypt and took them across the Red Sea and into the desert. And we'll look at the wanderings maybe a little bit more on Tuesday night. And he took them away because he had to deal with the people. You see, to us, it's all about the destination. Now, I have to say, to most men, going on a journey 
is about the destination. Would that be, am I, am I speaking for men correctly there, do you think? How many men here, just out of curiosity, and I don't mean to be sexist, think that a journey is all about the destination? Uh, and the rest of you are just on a journey. Like, if I'm flying to Spain, I'm not going up to get the coffee in the airport and like, oh, we had such a journey, and they checked in my bags and everything was wonderful. No, I just want to go to Spain, where it's hot. It's not raining. I want to go to Spain. And some people are like, I just love the journey. It's just so great to be on. No, it's not. Because it's hot when you get there. And you just want to go to the pool or get into the air conditioning. And you leave nice, cool Ireland, right, where there's no sweat. And you don't need any air conditioning. And then you say, I'm going on my holidays. And you go, ah, it's like an oven here. Ah. How was your holidays? It was fabulous. <laughs> we had such a great time. Ducking in and out of the sun. Ah, it's going to burn me. Sorry. I digress. For us, it's about the destination. But God had something else that he was doing. You see, when we look at the great projects in the Bible, we look at the great projects like the building of the tabernacle, the building of the temple, the rebuilding of the walls of Jerusalem, the rebuilding of the temple. We see all these big events and big projects happening. And we can go, wow, it's all about the project. But if you look at all of those events in the New Testament, they are only types and shadows of what God is going to do in his church and in his people, those who follow Jesus. They are all just types. And the building of the walls is us being built as living stones. That's what it is. Us individually. And God's work is actually changing us. You see, I've said it before. I'll say it again. We look at the world in this way. We get people to get the jobs done. But God looks at jobs to get the people done. And the journey was to get the people done. And so, their deliverance was followed by detours until they learned dependence before they got to their destination. Like the D's, I'm working on my D's at the moment. The, de the deliverance was followed by detours until they learned dependence and then they got to their destination. There is a distance between deliverance and destination and that's where God is at work in our lives. And if you're not at the destination that you think you should be at, if you're not in the place that you feel that God has called you to be at, that's because you are in the middle bit between the deliverance and the destination. You read the stories of Moses. You read the stories of all of, you read the stories of King David. You read the story of Paul in the New Testament. And you see all of these people were delivered amazingly. Incredibly, God appointed them or anointed them. And then there's this huge long period of time before God uses them. Have you got faith to walk in the desert? Isation and Kesht. There's an old Scottish uh, preacher. He's from the 1800s. His name was Alexander McLaren. And he quoted this. It's actually also in James Joyce's Ulysses. But I like this quote. It's really good. He said, the longest way around is the shortest way home. The longest way around is the shortest way home. Because have you ever... Last illustration before we finish. Have you ever gotten a piece of flat pack furniture... And said, yeah, I know what I'm doing here. And start to put it together. We got a set of bunk beds years and years ago. And they came as a flat pack. I said, I didn't want a flat pack. I just want assembled furniture coming to those. Because I hate flat pack furniture. I hate it. Now my son Rory, he loves flat pack furniture. Because he can spend hours fiddling. And I hate fiddling with stuff. 
So we make these bunk beds and we get to the second last stage. We made it. It's looking great. And I'm feeling, yeah, hey, again, I'm Mr. DIY here. And I'm putting together. And next thing I discovered, I put the wrong screw in the wrong hole 47 steps back. <laughs> and so I look at the instructions and say, this is ridiculous. And I look at the instructions and there in the instructions on the second page, it says, be careful not to put the wrong screw in the wrong hole or it will stop you at the end. Because I don't like to read instructions. You don't buy a washing machine and read the instructions, do you? See, all the women go, yes, we do. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, Paddy is kicking it going, spin, spin, spin. But the longest way around is the shortest way home. When we take shortcuts, they inevitably cost us more time than we ever imagined. Lads, there's no shortcuts in the kingdom of God. Do you know how I know? Because if there was one, I guarantee you I would have found it. Because I don't like waiting around or being dragged around in the desert. And Paul then was able to say this in the New Testament. And it's a big chunk of, a big chunk of scriptures. And he talks about us being happy. Because now we're stuck and we're wandering and we're on this detour around the desert. And he says this. He says, we can rejoice. Because when we run into problems and trials, we know that they help us develop in Endurance! Hallelujah. Everybody wants to just pray for endurance. Come over here. Anyone want a blessing? Go over there and endurance. Anyone? Anyone at all? Yeah, help us develop endurance. And endurance develops strength of character. Hallelujah. And character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. And this hope will not lead to disappointment. It will not lead to disappointment. And he says, we can rejoice. It's fantastic. I'm on a detour. Why don't we respond like that? Ah, I'm stuck in the desert again. He says, rejoice. Because God is changing you. God is transforming you. One dependence at a time. Paul says he's changing you to become more like Jesus Christ. So when we have it all figured out, I used this illustration recently, we've it all figured out and our life is just going that away, like a rocket sled on rails. And suddenly somebody pulls a lever and off we go and we don't know where we're going. That's when faith is required, brothers and sisters. Because we can become discouraged when the way that we thought things were going to work out hasn't worked out. We can, become, we can become disheartened when that hope that we had of this particular outcome becomes disappointed. That's where we need faith. Does anyone here need more faith? I need more faith. I need more faith. Here's what the Proverbs say. And it's actually very, very challenging, even though we've quoted you know, lots of times here in Grace, and you've heard it quoted, and I heard it on, on, on you know, Christian radio stations. You turn on this verse, and you turn on a Christian TV station, this verse is on it, and you read a devotion of the Bible, and this verse is on it, and it's there everywhere, and it's kind of continuously surrounding us, but sometimes it doesn't get through our filters. And this is what the Proverbs say. It says, trust in the Lord with how much of your heart? All of your heart. And by all means, lean on your own understanding. Hello? Do not depend on your own understanding. 
Don't be whipping out to Google saying, why am I not getting to where I want to get? Maybe Mr. Google has the answers. Seek his will, God's will, in all you do, in how much you should do. And he will show you which path to take. Hallelujah. How do we take such a complicated notion as wandering in the desert and not knowing where we're going and not getting to our destination and being frustrated at the outcome that we felt God had promised to us or the outcome that we thought we were headed to or the ministry that we thought was about to happen for us? How do we, mo- how do we overcomplicate it and bring in all this emotional and psychological baggage when the Bible clearly says, trust in the Lord with all of your heart. And he, there is no way that God was going to let the children of Israel out of the desert and into their destination until they understood that they needed to lean on the Lord. It's the same for you. It's the same for me. There's things that I will never get to. And I'm on a journey just like everybody else here is. And I am suffering and waiting for things to happen. Suffering is probably too strong a word for my own life. But I am waiting for things to happen. I'm waiting for hopes to be fulfilled. And you know, it's, it's, it's not happening. And I just got to wait. And I got to trust God's timeline. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do. And he will show you which path to take. So some of you this morning are on a detour. And you feel like you've been on a detour for a long time. Some of you have been on a detour only for a few weeks. But some of you feel like you've been on a detour for a long time. And this morning is an opportunity for you to respond to God and say, Lord, I don't know exactly what you're doing. I don't know exactly what your plan is. But I want to declare this morning, give me faith that I can trust in you with all of my heart. With all of my heart. Not a bit of my heart, but all of my heart. And Lord, would you go with me as I journey? Go with me as I journey. We look at that on Tuesday night a little bit as well. Will you go with me as I journey? We're going to pray and we're going to worship. We're going to ask the band to come up. We're going to sing an old song called Never Let Go. It's a fabulous song. Never let go. You, you might be familiar with even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, your perfect love is casting out fear. And even when I'm caught in the middle of the storms of this life, I won't turn back because I know you are near. Will we stand? The guys are going to brew up the song in the back. Before we do, can I just pray? pray, Ask you this morning. morning. If you hear this morning, morning, let's close our eyes for a moment. If you hear this morning, and your prayer is, Lord, I need your deliverance. Whether it is from a difficult situation, that can be like an abusive relationship. I need your deliverance, whether it's from an abusive situation or something like that. I need your deliverance, Lord, from evil, evil because, because I've been falling, falling again into a habit that I didn't want to fall into, Lord, I need a new exodus, I need a new deliverance in my life. Now for every one of you, you know what's in your eyes, you know what's in your eyes.